Welcome to LilyPod episode 20, Joy in Direction, Not Perfection. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. This is the fifth and final episode in our series of five relationship development topics. And today we're talking about joy in direction not perfection. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this topic for a lot of reasons. I know you have a, a fun little story you wanted to share with us on this uh, occasion. I do. And actually, this episode will air very close to the 4th of July. And I recall a time when my, my oldest son, he was very young, he was around two or three, and we were at a 4th of July parade. And he was so excited when they threw candy out of those floats uh, in the parade and he went to gather it all up. And he had both of his hands full of candy and I had a bag for him to put that candy into. And he refused to let go of that new treasure that he found (laughs) for fear that he wouldn't still have the candy if he let it go. And our last episode was on letting go. It was mostly focused on letting go of things that don't serve us. Um, And in this case, the cost of his fear of letting go of something good um, was that he wasn't able to gather more. He wasn't able to get more candy and he was stuck holding on to what he had in his hands and had no ability to move forward. And this is why letting go, even when it's something we maybe consider good, but not necessarily part of our future, um, it can help us cultivate purposeful direction if we're willing to let go of um, not only painful things from the past, but also good things that have come and gone and are no longer. Right. And sometimes that can happen with a relationship we might develop in our mid-single years. I know a number of people that I dated who, for one reason or another, one or, or both of us decided we needed to move on from the relationship. But even, even though it had been good and you know we cared about each other, we felt it wasn't the right match. And it was that can interfere with future relationships if, if we don't know how to let go. You know, and I actually remember experiencing that same thing. And it, it reminds me of the good, better, best talk. Uh, do you remember who gave that talk? Yeah, it was Elder Oaks, now President Oaks. All right. Well, when he, when he gave that talk, or, you know, when I think about that talk he gave, I should say, um, it, letting go of good and better creates room for best. And that's, that's another thing that uh, can be taken into consideration when you're considering, okay, where, what is my direction here? What is my direction in my dating relationships or my career or anything else in life that we have to make choices about? 
Right. You know, I when we were writing our book, which will, will be out in the fall of 2021, uh, my brother... Intentional courtship, by the way. Yeah. For I, those I, of you that don't know yet. Yeah. When we were in the process of writing that book, my uh, I asked my brother what he thought because he had been a mid-single by virtue of getting to his middle years without having married. And he has since married and had kids and everything. But his, the first question he asked me, are you going to talk about uh, perfectionism? Because he thought a lot of people uh, ended up not getting married for a long time because they were too picky about who they dated. Interesting. Um, And I know there are people who look for lots of red flags like, oh, this person has been divorced more than once, or this person had an affair on their former spouse, or this person in the past had a problem with pornography or, or whatever. And I think it's important to understand in this process, we're all sinners, we're all imperfect, we've all made mistakes that damaged relationships. And so I think we really are looking not just for perfect, you know, not for perfection, but really for the direction we see someone moving in. Definitely. Well, and if we're moving in a similar direction to someone else, then there's a lot of compatibility there. And we're not, uh, if we're looking for perfection, we're not going to find it. If we're trying to be perfect, we're not going to be it. Um, but if we've got that direction and we're doing our best without beating ourselves up, that's that's what's important. And we'll talk about perfectionism quite a bit today in our discussion, which is on finding joy and direction. Right. And I, uh, I have some interesting thoughts about um, how we see perfection and really our purpose in life. I think I'll save those a minute. But- okay. Uh, yeah, so definitely bring that in later. I, you know, the best way we know of to create joyful direction is through thought work, um, by awareness of the stories that we tell and how they're either serving or hurting us, and to choose them more intentionally. Sometimes we tell our stories as if they're fact and they're not, um, and this goes back to Lily Pot episode eleven our FCBO model, and we highly recommend you go back and listen to that one. But here's a quick overview. Uh, Well, F stands for facts, um, and then S stands for stories, E for emotions, E for energy, B for behavior, and O for outcomes. And facts are things that are verifiable. Anything beyond the facts is an interpretation or something optional. It's It's a thought we can choose or not choose. Right. And those are our stories. Um, our own perceptions and adaptations of the facts, the thoughts we choose to subscribe to and focus on. Right. And then emotions come from the stories we tell ourselves about the facts. And they're greatly influenced by our thoughts in the moment or our cumulative thoughts over a long time. And even the ways we were sort of um, civilized as children. Uh, even come into that sometimes. And energy is the vibration we approach our day with and with the the world around us. It's also influenced by our stories. And emotions and energy are reversible. Our stories impact 
how we feel, and they impact the energy that we bring to life. Right. And then behaviors generally flow from emotions and energy. And uh, unless we use some sort of power to counteract it, like willpower, which, like willpower, that's not, and that's not sustainable in the long term. It's, it's trying to punish yourself into achieving something. And I know I did that for years and I just got so sick of feeling anxiety all the time. But, you know, it was anxiety that made me a lawyer. It got me through law school. It got me through studying for the bar, you know, the constant fear of failure. And ultimately, willpower is like that. It's not going to, to work in the long term because it's, it's too much. It's emotionally overwhelming. Well, and then those behaviors, whatever they end up being, whether we use willpower to counteract the stories we're telling and the emotional and energy draining that we felt are feeling as a result of stories that aren't serving us. And then, you know, whatever our behaviors end up being, um, either through willpower to counteract the natural behavior or just plain acting out because of the stories we're telling, um, we ultimately get the outcomes. And it's what our life looks like as a result of the behaviors influenced by the energy and emotion and ultimately from our stories, um, the thoughts we attach to about the facts of our life experience. And so um, basically what we want to encourage people to do and something that we do on a daily basis, um, by both by ourselves and also bouncing ideas off of each other is to separate out the verifiable facts from the stories that we tell and then ask ourselves, are the stories we're telling benefiting us? And, and then we notice our emotions and our energy. And if we're drained, if we're feeling low, what is creating that? And taking responsibility and accountability for that, those emotions and that energy and ultimately, you know, the behaviors that naturally flow from it. I think another word scripturally for the word energy is light. And I'd like to, to point out a couple of things. Um, if we put this model in a scriptural context, you know, John 3.16, the, the most famous scripture in Christianity for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Following that in verse 17 and 18, we read, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him, on Christ, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is, is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now this verse is the one I want you to really focus on. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now I want to pause there for a second and just say, our powers of self-deception are really acute, and they were even in the time of Christ. Um, those are the stories we often tell ourselves. And it's a lot of self-deceit and rationalization at times. 
And then it follows, though, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. And Jesus also says that the truth shall set you free. And I think, uh, you know, that seems obvious and it sounds right. It sounds very high-minded and, and I certainly agree with it. What's, what's so hard about that then? Why do we hide in darkness? If we think about who we're hiding from, are we hiding from God? Well, we kind of know he knows everything. Are we hiding from other people? Maybe we may be seeking other people's approval and trying to appear different than what we really are. But mostly I think it's hiding from ourselves and our own feelings of weakness and inadequacy and our own sense that we're not as good as we would like to be. And hiding from what we believe is the truth is that we're not good enough. And right. that's where we have to be very careful as we become more aware of how we're creating our lives and how we're showing up in the world to not judge ourselves harshly. Right. And where we can have hope in this, I think, uh, this is Ether 1227. The Lord promises, if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. Now, why, why would we do that? That's sort of like holding up a mirror and saying, look how ugly you are. And you, ah, don't show me that. I don't want to see that. So there is a, a feeling uh, in that of, of that, that goes against our nature. Especially our egos. Right. Which isn't our true self-worth, but we all have them. And we usually feel like we need to protect our ego. Right. You know, I'm more like Abraham Lincoln than I am like Jesus Christ, for example. I'm, I'm more like any great person, Mother Teresa, you name it. I'm more like any human being, however great they are, than I am like Jesus Christ. And so by coming unto him and learning of his perfections, it's going to show me my imperfections. It's going to show me my weaknesses. But there's a promise here that says, I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And again, that's, that's through the grace of Christ. And so I think when we realize that we're, you know, when we're seeing our weaknesses, that's not cause for shame. That's cause to rejoice because the fact that we're seeing our weaknesses shows us that we're coming more to Christ, that we are seeing because we're seeing more through his eyes and that his grace is sufficient for us. Yeah, we're not perfect. We have weaknesses, but in time, weak things will be made strong. And it's a little bit like that that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants section 50, that which is of God is light. And he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light. And that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. When is the, what is the perfect day? Well, I think it's the day referred to in Moroni 7 when we can look into the face of Christ and 
you know, look into a mirror and see the face of Christ reflected back to us in some sense that we may be purified even as he is pure. And what happens to all of our stories then? All of our stories have fallen away and given way to nothing but truth. And so we're all on this journey, every single one of us, every mid-single, every later married person, we're all on this journey and none of us is perfect. But I think I would say when when you're looking for a partner to spend your life and, and beyond with, look for someone who is headed in that direction. And the best way to find and attract someone like that is to be headed in that direction yourself. Definitely. And, you know, using this Lily model, FCBO, is the best way we know of to reduce limiting beliefs and create more empowering stories that serve us in creating a more joyful life. And as we're careful not to use the work against ourselves, um, we can choose more self-awareness and personal accountability that we're, and, and see how we're creating our lives um, and give ourselves grace at the same time. You know, you mentioned that grace is sufficient for us right? from heaven. And we want to be giving ourselves sufficient grace as well. Right. It doesn't mean that we make excuses. That's just telling ourselves a story. It means that we have compassion for our own weakness. Absolutely. And and not only that, but compassion for how we've hurt ourselves with stories in the past. You know, that, you know, when we've come to this awareness that a story we've been telling maybe for decades isn't ser- hasn't been serving us and think of all the ways it's hurt us, it, it, we can really get discouraged. Um, but we can instead have compassion for ourselves and the way um, that hasn't been good for us and make changes so that it can be better in the future. Yeah, very true. And, and I want to ask our audience, do any of you feel shame about something you did in a prior relationship, a prior marriage, something? Do you feel shame that you watched pornography and hid it from your spouse for a long time and it blew up your marriage when they found out. Do you feel shame because maybe you had an affair or an improper relationship and it caused a lot of conflict with your spouse and that was part of what led to the end of your marriage? I mean, we could go down a long list of things that you might feel shame about. And I, or do you feel shame even about the fact that you're divorced or that you are not married yet? Um, that tends to be a thing that people don't like to have to talk about. And yet, if it's a fact of your life, it's, it's something that you can create a story around that serves you. Um, we know that for us, we've come to the realization and, and we believe this is truth for us. And it, it, you know, and this could be your truth, maybe not, but for us, um, we we know that divorce was part of our life path. It, it's it was what we needed to learn, what we needed to know in this life, and that that was part of our journey. Um, and 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 I'm speaking for both of us because we've talked about this enough that I know uh, that that is the story that we tell, and it's no longer a shameful thing that we've been divorced. It's it's in fact it's it's an important part of 
how we become who we are for each other. Right. Very true. And you know, as Kathy was, was talking about that, um, how divorce was part of our story and part of what we, we, part of our path back to God in this life. I was thinking about a, a really outstanding person that I dated who uh, her husband was, uh, had, had very high callings in the church and took his own life because he had a secret uh, addiction to pornography and he was so ashamed by it uh, and ashamed of himself that he got to the point that he felt life wasn't worth living. And I think there is a certain ethic among our many of our people that we we are we we have to look good, we have to seem good, and we have to be good. We have to be perfect. And you know, this person had so much to offer, really, um, by living longer and overcoming his addiction and helping others that had suffered from that or, you know, whatever. I mean, and I'm not putting any judgments on him. He did, I'm sure, what he thought was best for him at the time. But I do want to encourage anyone else who's having those kinds of thoughts um, because I'm not perfect, because I've got an unshareable problem. I'm, my life isn't worth living. If you've got an unshareable problem, share it. Share it with your spouse, share it with your bishop, share it with someone and put it in perspective and realize we're all sinners. We've all made mistakes and our path to celestial glory is not, uh, is not that we have to be perfect or. Well, and it's not ever a straight line. Otherwise we wouldn't need this life. Right. I mean, it is a straight and narrow path, but, but really... We're not always on it. We're I not mean, always on it. And because none of us are perfect. We didn't come to this life with all that knowledge yet. Right. And who is the bridge between God's perfection and our imperfection? It's Jesus Christ. And so both in terms of selecting people to date and in becoming what you're meant to become in this world... It's really important to, yes, yeah, see your weaknesses, but rejoice in that and realize, hey, I, I, I am seeing my weaknesses and that shows that I am progressing, that I'm getting closer to God. And that, that you're choosing a direction. Right. Um, and, you know, Jeff, when you mentioned uh, that anyone who may be suffering from uh, an addiction that's in the dark, uh, that keeps people stuck. Right. In fact, that's like holding on to the candy. We don't want to let go of it. it's our thing. And we are just, we don't want to let go. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What is the remedy? The remedy is light. Right. And so share that unshareable problem and sharing that unshareable problem will bring you a new direction. In fact, it will completely change the circumstance. It's transformative for sure. Yeah. Um, so just, Quickly going back to the FCBO model, when you separate out the facts from your stories, um, be a neutral observer. 
when you gain insight as to how you might be getting in your own way and creating things you don't want in your life, choose not to judge it, but instead to feel empowered to make some changes. Um, getting caught up, caught up in perfection as we take a more purposeful direction can be disempowering. And so it's very important that the way you work this FCBO model is self-loving. Right. It is realizing that with our imperfections, Jesus still found us uh, to be sufficiently valuable that he suffered and died for us. And that alone gives our life infinite worth. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't want to defeat the purpose behind this intentional narrative shifting, um, which is to create more joy. For sure. And to create more direction in our lives. And celebrate, like we've been talking about this whole time, celebrate progress rather than looking for some ideal destination. Absolutely. Um, well, we really hope that you've enjoyed this series of relationship development topics. Uh, we've enjoyed creating them for you. And remember, any time is the right time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to Love in Later Years, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.